comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Blind by a bargain bin adventure. I'm your host Jesse. You might know me as the clairvoyant. I'll be joined soon by Bloody Brody and a special guest for today's movie. Blind by is a podcast where we review movies randomly pulled from bargain bins and then we give those movies to you. Today's movie is a Blu-ray. The contest to win the movies is now finally open, so check out the details on Facebook.com/blindbypodcast and on Twitter at blindby. Sad news, the Profanity Orchestra has decided to take a season off. The Profanity Orchestra was a gimmick last season in which I censored every swear with a different musical note. If you put them together, they'd play a song related to the movie we reviewed that week. Sound tedious? It was. Is it gone forever? Probably not. But it's gone this season and replaced with a trusty crash cymbal. One question we get a lot, okay we haven't, but we should, is why we have never had an Asylum movie on this podcast. If you're unfamiliar with the production studio The Asylum, they're a company that thrives in the bargain bins they belong in, making cheap knockoffs of Hollywood blockbusters, hoping some sweet old lady will pick up transmorphers for their grandkid thinking it's Transformers, or Battle of Los Angeles instead of Battle Los Angeles. They've also carved out a nice chunk of the market, making dumb action movies, hoping one will be dumb enough to be a hit. Yes, they're the people behind Sharknado. But that's not the movie we're reviewing today. Let's take a look at what's coming up. So these are the potential culprits, eh? Let's take a look at the case files. Jesse Roloffs calls himself the clairvoyant somehow exhibits both narcissistic tendencies as well as low self-worth. Brody Taylor calls himself bloody, OCD, foul mouth, possible Oedipus complex. Mega Shark vs. Mecha Shark. Sharks. Robot Sharks. Surprisingly little action. But there's a fourth file here, and this bastard is the sickest puppy of them all. So welcome back to another spooky episode of Blind By. I know I've lied to you in the past. Uh, the Christmas episode, I said it was spooky. I apologize. But this one, things should change. Things are looking up. Because in addition to Bloody Brody, who's just always here, we have a very special guest. And that is a guest that you've heard on Dead as Hell Horror Podcast. You've heard up here on my other podcast, the Whedonverse Podcast, but never heard before on Blind By, One Sick Puppy. Hey, what's happening, man? This is the coolest thing that's happened to me all fucking day. I'm really fucking happy to be here. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> that was a very colorful introduction to yourself. I liked it. 
Yeah, he uh, he had messaged me on Twitter saying he had a lot of <laughs> stored up uh, because he hasn't podcasted in a while. So, uh, so I was fully expecting this. I'm prepared. <laughs> Excellent. It's so, a nuclear bomb of. Yeah. Yes, there is. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. <laughs> <laughs> so you are from the Dead as Hell Horror Podcast, and uh, they you haven't been around for a little bit. That is correct. I have been on hiatus, but February 14th, we are coming back, and we are shifting our focus solely to the 20th century of horror. So we are not going to be worrying with all these little indie films and, and you know, straight to DVD and straight to Netflix and all this kind of stuff, which, which there are good ones, but uh, in order to kind of narrow our focus and try to cover some stuff that other people are not covering. We're going to let them have what's coming out now. And we're going back to the old days. Cause I bought a VCR. <laughs> That's fair enough. And so you're, you said you're on the 14th. Now this will be out before then. So that's some nice promotion there. Well, awesome I say it'll Valentine's be, day. I say it'll be out before then, but it just, uh, knowing me, it probably won't. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I'm still waiting for the last episode. I'm editing it right now as we speak. <laughs> Edit that. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get for taking so goddamn long. <laughs> I'll get around to it. So now we'll jump into our movie itself. It's a very special one. Okay, so the movie we're reviewing today is Mega Shark. Versus Mecha Shark, which is a 2014 installment uh, in the Mega Shark series. It's actually the third one. There was Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, and there was Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus. They said Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark would be the last one, and then they released Mega Shark versus Colossus, which appears to be a crossover with their Pacific Rim ripoff, Atlantic Rim. And now they have Mega Shark versus Moby Dick planned, which is a crossover with their movie Moby Dick. So, the the asylum's got lots up their sleeve for for our megalodon here. So well, don't I, spoil anything because I'm actually uh, debating whether or not I'm going to watch Mega Shark versus uh, Colossus because they said that the dude in that is based on Attack on Titan. Yeah, that I heard sounds that. pretty sick. I know it's going to suck. It's not going to be anything like I imagined, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of think I might have to watch that anyway. I haven't seen. You said it was from what movie? Atlantic Rim. Atla- yeah, it says it's a. It was a something. Yeah, he's based off of the Titans from Attack on Titan, and then he's got. I don't know. It, it sounded like it's also crossing over with Atlantic Rim, which is their Pacific Rim knockoff. I uh, see. But they're always doing crossovers, like Sharknado's crossed over with a bunch, and Hansel versus Gretel is crossed over, and all their stuff's all... It's like one big universe. movie universe. That's Not awesome. to be confused with the robot porn Pacific Rim job. <laughs> that's a thing? No, that's not a thing. Oh. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. answer that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you hear my heartbreak? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Transformers so, having sex. What is Optimus Prime going to turn into... <laughs> the possibilities are endless. So, off the coast of Egypt, a small tugboat is lugging along a giant iceberg. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, they could have got a bigger boat, or they could have gotten a better system altogether. Was that a shark joke? Was that a shark joke? Uh, oh, wow, good, good for me. Was that? Jaws. He did, oh, uh, he did that 
unintentionally. I unintentionally made a Jaws reference. And you haven't even seen Jaws, have you? I've seen Jaws. Oh, okay. I'm Everyone's seen Jaws. No, I I remember people saying they haven't seen Jaws. They lied. That was before the movie came out. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I have a question. Wouldn't the... Do you think the iceberg would still stay as an iceberg at this point in Egypt? Should it not? I think, have... it, I think they'd be towing it through warm water. It'd be melting pretty quickly. Yeah. I know they do actually uh, use icebergs to make water, but I think they do that up north. I don't think they do it in the Middle East. Yeah, I'm not sure where they quite pulled this iceberg from uh, that they need to haul it past Egypt. But that's what, and it's like the guys didn't even know there was a shark in it. They were just towing an no iceberg around because <laughs> you know it wasn't like the client's going to be pissed or you know the shark's going to get out. It was just, oh, we need to get some more lines on that. Uh, maybe it was like a, he was taking it home. I think they mentioned something about the drought or in California, and so maybe they're like, oh, we need water, and so I guess they're hauling an iceberg past Egypt to California. Without realizing they're transporting ocean. a giant shark in it. Did I totally miss that? For real? Uh, I think it was just like a throwaway line. Wow. And so we, the audience, can make out the silhouette of a giant sharp shark in the ice. Uh, though they don't seem to notice. The first mate and the captain are kind of drinking and playing chess and reciting Bukowski. Yes, that is uh, that that was the first cool point this movie got for me. <laughs> was uh, Bukowski's my favorite writer and they quoted as the sparrow, which is a poem he wrote. Yeah, it it felt out of nowhere. Then I'm like, "Wait, no, this is a poem. I've heard this." <laughs> I, I just thought he was speaking cryptically. At first I thought it was like a like bad writing, like someone trying to write poetic. I'm like, "Oh no, wait, this is an actual thing. This is good. We're good." And yeah, then the iceberg starts splitting in half, or as the first mate astutely observes, it's shifting. Uh, before they can do anything about it, it breaks, and the megalodon, our titular mega shark, breaks free. Yeah, now if you've never heard of a megalodon, I, I went and looked this up. It's a big ass shark, and uh, it was about 59 feet long, according to the fossil record. They thought in Renaissance times that. Uh, the tooth they had found, the teeth they had found, were from dragons or giant serpents. But uh, the Danish scientist, I guess, or biologist, whatever, Nicholas Steno, in 1667 decided it was a giant shark. So as far as we know, it's a giant shark. <laughs> you know, We might figure out later it was something else. It was but, dragons. Yeah, but 59 feet, I asked my wife, and I, I, I couldn't quite get track of this in my head but it's roughly the length of my house 59 feet that's a it's definitely a lot bigger than they portray the thing in the movie well off and on they he kind of changes size i think throughout the movie yeah brody are you still there yeah no i spaced out for a second (laughs) you know you look like seth rogan i'm looking at your picture on the skype here you look like seth rogan Thank you, I think. Yeah, he's cool. Okay, he smokes good. a lot of weed. Yeah, that's my that's a that's a different day of my life. <laughs> that's that's why he's so quiet, is because he's high. <laughs> so nice. yeah, the megalodon, uh, which did supposedly exist. Well it existed, but was supposedly a shark <laughs> uh, back in prehistoric days. Yeah, it's it's a big <laughs> So why is the movie 
Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark and not Megalodon versus. Because no Mecha. one knows what that is. No one. <laughs> well, that's not going to draw watch people. The movie in. and find the f- out. These movies are made for rednecks. We got to keep the words little. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But they're they're like they they teach you. Yeah, I, but no, they don't teach you before you pick up the movie. That's yeah. Red, rednecks don't learn nothing. <laughs> so the captain and first mate hardly even have time to scream before their boat is smacked out of the sea by the shark's tail and decapitates the sphinx. Yeah, now let's talk about this for a second because this bothered me. I, I wanted to find out if it was actually possible to decapitate the sphinx from Alexandria. As the reporter said, where the tugboat flew across the Sahara Desert. <laughs> now, it looked to me like the tugboat hit the Sphinx and then hit the ground. But in actuality, the uh, Sphinx would be southeast from Alexandria and the Sahara Desert would be southwest from Alexandria. So, you know, right off the bat, I'm, I'm thinking there's there's a lack of realism in this movie. Yeah, in the reporter's reporting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it didn't seem very realistic. I, I wasn't yeah. quite sure what it was. I think that's it, though. One thing that's kind of funny is uh, the writer himself, uh, I can't remember his name, but he wanted like nothing to do with this movie. He wrote some other movies for Asylum, but nothing as campy as this. And when they asked him to do it, he basically like took a look at the other two in the series and said, I don't want to be associated with those. Somehow they persuaded him into doing it, and basically their only requirement was that it had to decapitate the Sphinx somehow. Yeah, this was H. Perry Horton, and he wrote Two-Headed Shark Attack in 2012, and he wrote this one, as well as some other crappy movies. But and, uh, he didn't he didn't use a, a pseudonym, and it's not like his resume is really going to take a big hit from writing this movie. <laughs> I'm looking see- at it. The weird thing is, yeah, so he included the Sphinx scene at Asylum's insistence, but the weird thing is, you know, he was so against writing this movie, supposedly, but some of his ideas didn't make it into the movie, and so he used them in a book he wrote called Sharkano, which doesn't exactly sound, uh, you know, he's like, Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark is beneath me, let's write a book called Sharkano. Yeah, if you're going to write a shark movie... And it's going to open in Egypt, and you're not going to involve the Sphinx. You know, you're probably not the right guy for the job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they could have gone for a pyramid, too. That would have been nice. But, hey. I actually thought it was going to land on the pyramid, being that there's a pyramid right behind it. I wasn't quite sure where it was going to land. And then, boom. Like, it Cloverfielded hit. the Sphinx. <laughs> yeah. So, we get... This opening credits over a montage of news reports from around the world. The most important names in here are Christopher Judge of Stargate SG-1 fame, who I've actually met and is uh, quite, quite a nice guy. Yeah, he was looking kind of rough in this movie, though. Yeah, he was. He's, he's Who was he? They say black he's, don't crack, but he looks kind of tired. I don't know. <laughs> he, he's buff. Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily got a drug problem, but... Maybe he hadn't slept. Maybe he had a little. Uh, That's what it kind of looked know, like. Seasickness or something. I don't know. <laughs> was, He's... Was, was he the character Jack? Yeah, he was. Oh, okay. And then we get Elizabeth Rome, who apparently has fallen far after her days on Angel, because uh, she's now doing this. 
and not yeah, much. Yeah, but she's still looking pretty good too. Now. She is. She's I like good. her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Angel was a decade ago, at least, and she looks the same, so good for her. Yeah, at least she didn't turn into a freaking Christian nutbag like Jim Calder. <laughs> yeah. And then we also get Deborah Gibson, who was in the first movie. And was also in Playboy. If you want to go check that out, I wrote it down. She hasn't shown up yet. She was in the March 2005 issue of Playboy. I've seen it once or twice for... <laughs> 30 or 45 seconds at a time. I For a second, have... I thought you were pulling out the actual Playboy. Because I hear Russ No, I've got it on it. my computer. I, just I, shuffling I, through it. <laughs> I can just imagine, as you're saying that, just like looking at the spread, like, I've viewed it once or twice. <laughs> I When I podcast with other people, I wear pants. So don't worry about <laughs> And so then in the Pacific Ocean, we get... A scene between Jack and Rosie, and oh, Titanic, I get it, good. Move past that immediately. Oh, for real? Is that a Titanic? I've noticed, like, whenever... I think I picked up on it from Metal Gear Solid 2, but whenever there's, like, something nautical-themed, there's, it's always Jack and Rose. And so now it oh, just... I, I notice okay. it immediately. Every I literally, like, back in the... Uh, I don't know, it was, like, late 90s, there was a. I was staying at a house, and the cable went out, and there was nothing in the house to watch except for a VHS of Titanic. The, on the so two VHSs. I, yeah, and I finally played it, and that's the only time I've ever seen Titanic. And I only watched it because there was nothing else to watch. There was literally not a book in this house, like Did not one single book. No, I didn't cry. You tried because you had nothing else to do. I punched myself in the face a couple of times. It's a long movie. It is. It is long. Yeah. I find it funny how the saddest part of that movie is not Leonardo's death. It's the saddest part is the opening death. credits. What are you talking about? <laughs> I I was confused in the opening credits because I put the VHS in and all of a sudden there's like a... And I thought I'd put in a documentary about the Titanic. I'm like, what the f***? And I realized it's just a forward. But we're not reviewing Titanic. <laughs> I don't even remember anything about titanic i don't know what you guys are talking about so however if you that's if how you cool were, i am if you were a fan of titanic uh, the same studio that made this movie the asylum they have made a movie called titanic 2 it's uh it's very similar <laughs> so go check it out <laughs> uh, it's you know just like the first one it's kind of a campy disaster horror so did they build another titanic or did they put the other one back together i think they build another one the tagline is like a hundred years later, history repeats itself or something like that. They should make a zombie Titanic. <laughs> where the boat comes back to life. That yeah, so we are literally like not even five minutes into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually just past the five minute mark. We've just reviewed like three different movies. <laughs> All right. So, let's see. You give Titanic thumbs down. I think I give it a thumbs up. <laughs> What's your favorite line? <laughs> So anyway, Jack and Rosie are hanging out in the Pacific. Jack, played by Christopher Judge, is monitoring from a boat, while Rosie, played by Elizabeth Rome, is piloting uh, what is the titular mecha shark, Mark One. And so she's wearing this HUD like eyeglass thing that looks like the Scouter from Dragon Ball Z. That's the first thing I noticed. <laughs> did they use that in the other? I've never seen the other movies. So did they use? The, is that what was used to fight the shark in the previous movies? Or? The mecha shark? Like the one they were driving at the very beginning. I fell asleep through the first one, didn't watch the second one, but I don't believe so, no. Oh, 
So where the these characters weren't in the other two. Oh, oh okay. That that was a question I had later on, but okay, that explains a lot. And so Rosie's having a lovely chat about symmetry with Nero, which is their Jarvis-like AI that controls the Mecha Shark. That's who it reminded me of. I couldn't think. I was like that. It reminds me of Hal, but it wasn't quite Hal from yeah. 2001 because it wasn't so Menace. deadpan. But I, it was a Jarvis ripoff. Thank you. Yeah, and I think Jarvis was like, at least as they portrayed him in the Iron Man movies, kind of a, a, a Hal ripoff, but not as not as scary. <laughs> so they practice some partial barrel rolls. They know, but they know when they come face to face with the Megalodon, it will be harder to barrel roll partially. And so they're discussing the several, the seven slash several. There was seven, seven recent attacks. And they say, Admiral Engelberg better be ready soon. And then the Mega Shark suddenly attacked by giant octopi, which I feel is a hearkening back to the first movie, which was Mega Shark versus giant octopus. Well, Mega Shark didn't do a very good job. Uh, well, it, cl- it took Mega Shark a whole movie, and it took <laughs> Mega Shark all of 15 seconds as it deploys its eel skin and shocks the octopi and forces them to retreat. Yeah, you know, I should I should mention this now. I came up with the strategy, and I think they should have taken the little shark and swam inside the big shark and used the eel skin to electrocute the thing from the inside. It probably I'll would have saved a lot of shorted time. out its its nervous system, and it the whole movie would have been over. Yeah, I was literally thinking something similar to that, like five seconds ago. Except it was like exploding the shark. I couldn't figure out how to get out alive, so I gave up on the idea. But that's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> so then Jack gets an urgent message and tells Rosie the ominous, "It's ready." And so she services to some beautifully ugly CGI of the of the Robo Shark. It's it's gorgeous because it's hideous. Admiral Engelberg approaches the ship on his own, uh, I think it's called the USS Charles something. Davis. USS Charles Davis. Yeah, apparently he's a football announcer. I looked him up. Why did they name it after him? I don't know. So he approaches and says, it's ready, because apparently it's ready. Just so you know, it's ready, because that's all anyone's ever said. Yeah, did you see the the thing? It was at the UN Research Facility, and... Just as far as on-screen graphics go, it was pretty bad because I, as soon as I saw it, I thought it's the unresearch facility. <laughs> so it just—it struck me as kind of weird. I don't know. I just thought I'd mention it. Unresearch—that's fantastic. So, so yeah, on land, he drives him to the the unresearch facility, where the mecha shark is ready. He tells him about its teeth. It's torpedoes, which makes Jack go on a small ecological rant about nuclear effects. Uh, It's made out of stainless steel and titanium, which is apparently the, you know, the most current things we have on the planet. So (laughs) it's going to be shiny and I think you can cook eggs on it without (laughs) a chicken. But uh, yeah, with the eel skin. Yeah. I just, I was, I thought it was funny that, uh, you know, they didn't even try to bother making up a new sort of metal, you know, it's not vibranium or, you know, whatever, but. That's what Optimus Prime's going to turn in a Pacific <laughs> job. Vibranium. <laughs> so, now this part kind of pisses me off. Because Engelberg tells them that it's ready. And Jack 
it gets really surprising. No, like you can't be ready yet. That's literally like part of the one of the most repeated lines in the last five minutes of the seven minutes we've been in this movie has been "It's ready." That's the whole reason you're there. <laughs> but they prepare to ship out immediately, though Jack's not figuratively on board. They they do say why it's not ready, but they should have said it a lot earlier than when they did, because the whole time where it's not ready, it's like, who are you to tell me how it's not ready? Well, it's just because they didn't install Jarvis. Yeah, and I don't and think I, they were they weren't going to either. I were thought they? it was weird that you know they have built this entire giant shark, and these guys don't know what it's made out of. <laughs> they haven't, you know, they're working with the shark that came before this, but they haven't been working on this shark. They haven't installed the AI, which they would be doing at the same time that they're finishing the outside of the shark, which is apparently the only thing that the Admiral knows about, which he has to tell them about. It's just a complete little circle of ignorance going around. It makes you dizzy. Feeling this is kind of what it might actually be like. <laughs> just a lot of <laughs> Lack of communication and just like, well, we'll get, we'll get something done. So off the coast, Megashark attacks a boat. Okay. In Australia, news anchor <laughs> Sandy Cook, which is an unfortunate name, uh, is interviewing a fisherman about the UN ban on fishing, I guess. I don't know if they ever mentioned the UN, but that's what it sounds like they're talking about. And he talks about how he was more concerned about providing for his family than the Megalodon, which he didn't believe was real until his son was killed on the boat today. Yeah, I think what happened was they shut down all boat traffic because of the shark. Yeah, that's what I thought too, yeah. The thing that bugged me, somebody on Twitter the other day just asked me, you know, do you notice little things in movies? Can you, can you look past them? Does it take you out of the movie? This reporter is using a microphone with no windscreen that is requires phantom power which for podcast nerds you know what that is but <laughs> if you don't her her microphone is basically a stick in her hand because it has no electricity <laughs> yeah, i guess i never really looked at yeah i didn't either but yeah you're right <laughs> yeah that like that bugs me also like i loved how the u.s navy was using what were literally those like three dollar mics you can pick up from Staples, spray painted black. I was thinking that too, like the like the little computer mic. Yeah, I the had. little bendy mics. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so crappy he has to pick it up and hold it up to his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I love about this movie is uh, this news anchor, just because she shows up a lot and literally serves no purpose whatsoever. Doesn't she die? Yeah, she does. That's that, that's the only purpose she's got. And so, yeah, this guy starts angrily telling off the UN or the military to do something about this shark attack before leaving, like they weren't planning on it. In the woman's locker room, Jack shows up, and him and Rosie start discussing things. She wants to go, and, you know, they're running out of time, we've got to fight this thing, and he's saying, no, we're not ready. But they decide they have to do this together, because it's the battle of a lifetime. And But he points out it's actually the third time that the Megalodon has returned which he's correct. But she is right in the fact that she herself has not battled. That's true. The Magnodon. No, I just like that he's in the woman's locker room. <laughs> no one really... It's the military. Maybe it's unisex. I could, don't know. That's possible. But there is literally no tension behind 
between these two people. And she is she basically got out of one shark, walked into the locker room, and, and didn't even undress, didn't change her clothes, just put on a jumpsuit over her clothes. <laughs> That's why she's in the locker room. It's like you couldn't have picked that up and walked into the new shark and done that? <laughs> she doesn't it's like, like you, How much money? No, they, they must have spent at least 500 bucks making this locker room set. They can't I mean, have an aside without a locker room set. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's so useless. Yeah. So what are we gonna do in this shot? Uh put on the jumpsuit. And we'll argue a bit, but like not really. Just like we shouldn't yeah. do this. Yeah, we should. Okay, let's do it. That's perfect. <laughs> Bring me lockers. <laughs> More lockers. I don't Nobody care if that one's not in the shot. Nobody even <laughs> sat on that bench. Emma from the first movie, Emma McNeil, who's uh played by what's her name? Deb Debbie Gibson. The first one. Do you guys know who Debbie Gibson is? You're younger than I am. I, I vaguely, yeah, I've seen her before. But I'm she not... was like one of. She was like the biggest pop star in the early to mid '90s. She was. She was like top forty for I don't know. It seems like a year or two. What what song? Like out of the blue, I I can't remember. Uh, Oh, there was another one too. Something about being young or something. I don't know. YouTuber, and you'll know. And they they get these pop stars like they've got. Uh, I think Tiffany was in another movie. She was another '90s pop star, and she was also in Playboy. But I don't know what issue. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they're they're big on pulling. Uh, you know, old pop culture people. If you see these people and you don't know who they are, you might want to Google them because uh, pop stars slash Playboy models. Yeah, it adds a. a new layer of cheese to the movie <laughs> her acting definitely uh, did point towards pop star over actor yeah but she's she's been in like three or four sci-fi movies now she's getting good so yeah she calls admiral engelberg which i love that name by the engelberg <laughs> i figured you engelberg and she tells him without a mate the shark isn't going anywhere and he's gonna be aggressive which is the first of many foreshadowings where I don't really like where it's what they're implying. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and throw out some spoilers here. A, the mate never shows up. No. And B, the mega shark does not hump the mega shark. So <laughs> I was expecting no the... shark being had in this movie. Well, well, there's first you need like foreplay, so he's gotta tackle it first. I, would... I thought they should have painted the mega shark pink and put on some berry white. You know, forget <laughs> the chum, just throw some incense in the water and let's get it on. <laughs> I I did think it would end with like a you know like a more than a versus in there between the mega shark and mecha shark. I I was actually kind of surprised I'm like oh they didn't go there. <laughs> Subverting expectations. Deploy the mecha penis. <laughs> We could have had some gay shark sex. That would have been cool with me. All it needs is a mate. It doesn't matter a if mate? it's making new sharks. It's just got to get its rocks off. It could have been the first mate. They could have just thrown somebody overboard and the movie would have been done. <laughs> Damn it, Engelberg. You threw and then you would have had all the Engelberg because that dude's going to explode. Engelberg <laughs> threw on another dick on one of his other projects again. Oh, uh, there was one thing, though, that I noticed just now, actually just thinking about it throughout the beginning of the movie the guy pulls out what seems to be well they treat it as cigarettes but they look more like like thin cigars and yeah, like, those are gonna... black and mild 
Yeah, but uh, so I, like Christopher Judge. Yeah, but they they keep mentioning that. Well, first of all, why not make it cigarettes? Why why cigars? And two, um, throughout the first half, they keep talking about you're not going to light that. Like it doesn't really come into play. No, it, uh, does it? Not really. No, he no. just has a he has a drinking or a smoking problem. She has a drinking problem, but not really. But but like the. But what I was getting at, though, is that near the... When she's getting stressful, he never once throws... He never takes one out. Like, it, they completely it's forget about random, it in the yeah, first half. Random times. Never during any real action, though. <laughs> but, like, that's the part where you would, like, take a smoke out. Is when she's getting stressful. Yeah, this was just, that was just a stupid joke that they put in the movie. They should have had him be one of those, you know, giant stogie chewing on it kind of guys. <laughs> and, you know, that would have made more sense. It, it would have made his character tougher and cooler. And, you and know. a little grosser because he'd have that fucking water bottle, that, water bottle that he'd spit his chew in. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Because <laughs> you always take a swig. Oh, God. Yeah, it was a strange little thing. I know Christopher Judge smokes... IRL. Well, I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. Uh, so while towing the the Mecha Shark with the USS Charles Davis, Jack and Rosie are being all romantic, talking about some vacation they had, and then Admiral Engelberg just cuts them off immediately because it's showtime. I find there's absolutely zero chemistry between Jack and Rose. Yeah, the really, it's really true. Yeah, I like Elizabeth Frome, you know, and she's and and Angel. Although I have some bias in that, she uh, displays some some moderate, you know, mid level actor acting chops. Even the characters in this movie, sucks. there is nothing. I mean, it's just everybody is. It's it's not so bad that it's like they're reading cards off to the side, but it's like we're gonna get the shot done. Yeah, then we're gonna do the next shot. It's just. I don't know. It's kind of like they were, um, it's like a plan to marriage where they don't really give a shit about each other, but they still say the words. They're they're in it just out of, like, admiration and respect for each other, no actual feelings. It's more of a support system. (laughs) To stop with each other's addiction. So, yeah, the Charles Davis is to rendezvous, rendezvous, rendezvous with the submarine, the USS Virginia, which is a real submarine, actually. Uh, with the uh, with the mecha shark, because uh, the the Virginia is being attacked by our good friend the megalodon. So Rosie boots up the mecha shark. Uh, you know they're looking around. Nothing's really on the radar. Then suddenly something is on the radar. So the Virginia arms the torpedo. Rosie tags the megalodon with a tracking device, and arms her torpedo too. Now let's let's talk about booting up the Mecha Shark because it there's a lot of PC fans in this shark. <laughs> I mean, just like cooling fans from your computer, that is the special effects that they show. There are LEDs in computer fans, and like the little uh, cranking up. I found that really switches funny. that are in this every like every plane set. I don't know if actual submarines use those switches. But, like, every time, like, I don't know if actual planes use them either, but on movies, they always, like, gotta flick all those switches overhead. 
Yeah. It just feels right. It feels unsatisfying if they don't. <laughs> I kind of want a switchboard on my own, honestly, so I can do it. But then when it doesn't do anything, I'll just be upset. But I, I, like, I do... The coolest do... thing in the shark was the, the clear message board. Yeah, that's so That's where all the money went. Yeah, but and, they and never used it. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> they never used it. <laughs> and there's never more than one person in there at a time, so it was like... <laughs> It's... Plus, the writing was on the side that she was sitting on, so you'd have to literally be like two and a half feet from this thing in order to read it. it so, cool, like everybody is all scrunched up in front of this little three foot wide <laughs> message board, two feet away from it. <laughs> yeah, it was cool, but it wasn't very practical. So, fire one. The Virginia fires the first missile, hits the megalodon, does no real damage, really. <laughs> Rosie then fires her missile <laughs> and somehow sinks the USS Virginia. <laughs> yep. You go, girl. Good job. I, but, like... And uh, she has no idea what she just did, either. The mega so like, shark... What happened? I lost the, I lost the Virginia. And, like, yeah, you just you sunk it. The mega shark... Well, he like... dodged it. <laughs> did he? I thought he... It's like this massively giant shark pulled a Neo and the, the torpedo went past him. He, like, bent in half. <laughs> Well, That's pretty badass. This I, is why I, we needed Nero. <laughs> I missed how that torpedo hit, but um, I remember the second torpedo. Later. The second torpedo hits because the shark tail whips it. Yeah, later on. Yeah. Yeah. So this she, she fires the second torpedo now and misses again because uh, she's terrible at aiming. Yeah, and as the U.S. Virginia is going down. There's like three guys. They show this one room with a bunch of pipes in it. Yeah. And these dudes are standing there as they're dumping like giant buckets of water. And all you see is like this guy standing in a pouring stream of water. It's not spraying out of anything. It's like out of the camera's view above him. And he just stands there screaming as they pour water on him. Yeah, and that's it... how we know that the whole thing's going down. They don't even shake the camera, I don't think. Yeah, no, if it wasn't so, like, poorly done, I would almost assume it's stock footage because it's so out of nowhere, but then it's just, like... <laughs> another thing that made it seem... They didn't seem... try very hard. <laughs> another thing that made it seem like stock footage, though, is that later on, when the other ship is sinking... They show the same thing. It's the same f***ing <laughs> shot, just the camera's moved over a little bit more to the right. Yeah, I didn't notice if it was the same guy, but they did it the exact same way. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was the same guy either, but it, it was the same... <laughs> shot like man it worked out so good last time let's just <laughs> throw it in here let's just keep it so the controls in the mark ii here stop responding so that's a good first run and uh, admiral engelberg isn't too happy that rosie just blew up a lot of his friends for some reason so jack tells them they gotta install nero i don't care how long it takes which they probably should have done in the first place Especially considering that you've got a shark that's as big as my house, and there's only one person running the entire thing. Yeah. Like, there's no crew on this shark. There's one chick. And for a shark that big, he's pretty f***ing fragile to move and dodge a missile that small. Agile? Fra ad agile. For agile. <laughs> you seem very agile to dodge a missile that small. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a spry little shark there. But what what's that saying about 
Rose. Maybe Rose is just a really fucking awful, like, she is. pilot. <laughs> she has proven this time and time again. But she can fly a Rubik's Cube if she had to. <laughs> that was one of my favorite lines, actually. It's the dumbest my, thing. I do. So, so Jack installs Nero, almost lights a cigar before Nero stops him. And, yeah, because I that's think, a thing. I think that's the last time we actually see him trying to light, yeah. <laughs> so he tells Nero, this is the real deal. And then reminds him that Rosie is taken for some reason. Because the AI is a little flirty, I guess. Well, robot sex. Yeah. <laughs> In the woman's washroom, <laughs> Jack shows up again and tells Rosie her boyfriend's awake. Hints briefly at her drinking problem because she's got, like... Vodka in her backpack, but also he's in I the. I totally missed that. I wonder if we watched two different versions of this movie. <laughs> Maybe. So, meanwhile, Mega Shark strikes the AR Event Horizon oil platform, which starts a fire and a giant oil spill. And Australian reporter Sandy Cook is on the case again. Good for yeah, her. You notice nobody on this freaking oil rig has a hard hat on. Like, absolutely nobody. They weren't expecting an explosion today. <laughs> Where was OSHA? What? Oh, that, that's an American thing, my bad. Uh, it, it, that's the, the work safety people in America. It's, it's okay. a government agency. Sorry. I'm sure people out there will get it. <laughs> so, back in the Mark II, Rosie and Nero are getting ready for round two. And it starts malfunctioning again. Good. They get it up and running and start chumming as they go, which I appears... really like that. That was that was a cool thing. That's a star in, on my book. The chum stores. Yeah, I like it. It's like luring the mega shark with just streaming chum into the water. Yeah, it's like th- there's this giant ass mechanical shark, and you've got Elizabeth Rome in a room the size of a closet driving this thing and it's got torpedoes on the sides it's got batteries to run this eel skin and then the rest of it is just filled with dead bloody fish that's <laughs> it awesome. leaks out it's so metal yeah it poops it out it's freaking <laughs> awesome wait was that what was coming out of its tail yeah release the chum stores he was pooping out dead fish i totally <laughs> thought it was just gas like nope. To make it keep it's blood. Oh, I I completely Gotta chum the waters. Does you get the shark to come? I don't know, but where not in the I biblical was. sense, <laughs> because there is no shark sex in this movie, as we mentioned before. So they get a positive ID on the megalodon, but then they end up in the big oil leak and can't see anything, and are encouraged not to fire. And they, you know, so Engelbert calls. I don't know who he calls. Australia PD, <laughs> whoever he calls, they refuse the to shut off police. the oil police. Yeah. And they refuse to shut off the pipe. So Engelberg says, who cares? Kill that shark no matter what. And uh, Jack refuses to let Rosie fire because of uh, the whole irreparable, da- irreparable damage to the ecosystem thing. Yeah. Oil and water don't mix. So I'm thinking maybe that's possibly why they didn't want to fire, because maybe you could still ignite the oil under the water with with the fire because there's no water in it. I don't know. And also, like they they were talking about the possibility of hitting a pipe, which would leak like all of 
it just basically, you know, there's no stopping it then. See, I, 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 I hear, like, I, I see the leak part, but once, uh, it was brought up that, like, um, about the fire and the igniting, and once it explodes, I feel like that's probably the more dangerous part of oh, it. Oh, absolutely. They but they didn't even mention that. No. Then, uh, they managed to use the Mecha Shark to cap the leak very quickly and anticlimactically. And... Yeah, but there's no oil coming out of this pipe. It's it's like somebody, I mean, there's, it's I, I don't know. There was like nothing gushing out of this pipe. It was just like some some black cloudy water around this hole in the pipe. Yeah, and then they're like they shut it like yeah we're good saved the the ecosystem, <laughs> I guess. And they go off looking for the shark. No, but but to close this off though, she literally puts the shark. She she runs the shark into this big ass pipe and bends it over. Yeah. Like Wonder Woman would do with the end of a gun barrel. She bends it over and all the oil stops coming out. <laughs> Ties it in a knot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it there it was just it was so anticlimactic, like, how are we gonna stop this oil leak? So like, I got this and just kinda like bends it over. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hit they that do beat. actually. On to the next one. So what's next is probably my favorite scene in the movie. So a plane has entered a state of emergency, and they need to land at the next port to refuel. <laughs> However, it's over the ocean, and dispatch is telling them they're in restricted airspace. They need to alter course immediately, but they refuse to do so because they need fuel immediately. However, they are directly over the last sighting of the megalodon. <laughs> So two little red dots appear on the radar, and uh, Dispatch is asking what the bogeys are on the radar. What happened is the Mega Shark jumped out of the water to take out this plane, and then the Mecha Shark jumped up and like body checked it out of the way. And the pilots see this right in front of them and just immediately decide to alter course. <laughs> and everybody knows sharks can't fly without a tornado. So the whole thing's ridiculous. <laughs> like those, they launch like hundreds of feet in the air, thousands of feet in the air. Best case scenario, it's they're flying at ten thousand feet, and for an airliner, that's pretty low. Yeah. So you know. So I, was... <laughs> I found the jumps in this movie were a little bit ridiculous. Later that's... on, there's a motorbike jump that 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 comes later. <laughs> yeah. And and I feel like this is a reference to the first one, the Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, where I believe a shark takes out a plane, which was. I think a, it's a reference to Happy Days because you got to jump the shark, bro. Well, that later oh, actually. I thought about that. Later, the motorcycle thing's one hundred percent Happy Days reference because <laughs> he literally jumps a shark. <laughs> I think by that time I was uh, kind of clicking faster through the movie so i might have missed that my motorcycle jump i, I don't know hated that that was ridiculous like there's over the top and then there's that bullshit <laughs> there's <laughs> nothing for him to jump off of either at least fonzie had a ramp <laughs> right <laughs> so back underwater rosie misses the mega shark with her fourth torpedo so far and is rammed by the shark and the gps chip thing falls off so Rosie lines up another torpedo, which the shark smacks with its tail and takes <laughs> out another U.S. Navy ship. 
<laughs> I like that scene. It was fantastic. She's done nothing but blow up U.S. <laughs> naval vessels. She's killed more people than the shark. <laughs> and nobody even suggests that they're going to take this out of the shark. Yes. They're just going to let her keep they, driving. And like, it's like she's the only person on the, the planet capable of driving the Mixer Shark. And, and see, didn't the she thing kill is, the only yeah, other she, pilots either? They, the ship that she just blew up, they said, contained the only two other people that could pilot that shark. I feel like she knew she was going to get fired. So she, <laughs> so she beats herself up over it a little bit, but then Jack comforts her, and then she gets in a bit of a ramming contest as the shark fires a torpedo at a rock wall, causing a rock slide and burying herself and knocking herself out, and they lose signal. You go. Yeah, I like how in the, every time she gets upset, she's like totally freaking out, and he's like, chill out. And she's like, oh, okay, now what? I got to... I mean, it's instantaneous. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's not even like sniffling after. It's just straight back to like, okay, now what? I love how, I, I love also how throughout the whole movie, she finally hits her target. But the target this time isn't the shark. And this time <laughs> it's never... over. Yeah, she hits the rock wall. And it didn't go well for her. <laughs> no, not at all. So, yeah, they lose signal. On the Jack on the surface is finally able to communicate with Nero, uh, but they're unable to free the ship. Yeah, and they got some real Star Trek going on here because she's leaning in her seat, the camera's kind of jiggling. It's it's pretty lame. Yeah. Now I don't. I, I kind of wasn't paying too much attention to this part, but eventually, apparently, they somehow blast their way out. Good for them. <laughs> what you weren't paying attention? I lost. Yeah, it. because the Nero calculates and de- decides he's. I don't know if he uses the the ill skin. I think he blows a torpedo the force? and actually yeah. blows himself out of the rocks. But I like how the computer thought of it. But nobody that's running this thing that built it thought, "Hey, we could get it out like this." Yeah. Well, um, I know Jack's idea was using the boosters, but. Uh, Nero said that there wasn't enough boosters to even get back up once he did that, so... And then all, all of a sudden they're all stumped. Like, so well, now what? The like, she says, we lost her giant mechanical shark. Back <laughs> to the drawing board. Well, they even <laughs> say, like, they mentioned at one point, like... He said, if we lose this thing, the taxpayers are going to be pissed. So, so they it's not cheap. <laughs> so... um. The shark, meanwhile, has diverted its attention to an air carrier, uh, aircraft carrier, because it's a. Well, they they later find out it's the USS James Stewart, uh, which it yeah they find out it lures, lured in the shark by testing a high frequency transmitter that it picked up somehow, sonar or something who knows, and uh, so yeah it's gonna come take out this aircraft carrier. So Jack and Engelbert tell them stop using the transmitters. <laughs> Which apparently they didn't do while they were under attack. They were continuing these tests as their entire ship is shaking and falling apart. It's not a continued test as usual. I don't know. I gave it another cool point, though, because I really like Jimmy Stewart. He's one of my favorite actors. (laughs) The USS James Stewart. Yep. And uh, so they finally listen, and as a fighter plane is about to land... Shark jumps and kind of intercepts it and 
crushes the whole carrier and explodes it anyway. And this is where we have that second scene of the waterfalls. Yes. And it's also worth mentioning that some of the uh, people on this ship have absolutely no insignia on their clothes whatsoever. They're all military. They don't even have U.S. flags on their uniforms. They didn't put their names on them. They didn't put pins on them. They're just running around in plain clothing. It's really, hey, do you own a camo shirt and want to be in a movie? <laughs> Um, another thing that I had an issue with was there was never actual, like, at this point yet, there was never any on-screen shark-eating people. (laughs) So, and then... Is that what you were waiting for? Well, I was waiting for, because what happened was, as as the ship's tilting, people are sliding down and the one guy's trying to grab onto things. I thought, this is the moment. And the screen turns. Yeah, which is actually a, a camera trick where they turn the camera so that it looks like they're sliding downwards. But if you look closely as you see these people slide past the camera, you can see the sand that they put on the floor to make them slide easier. That's cool. There huh. it is. I didn't either. Is that a classic trick? Yeah, well, if you're going to scoot across the floor, it makes you it, it cuts down on the friction. Yeah. It's like a shuffleboard. I think they board. use it for tap dancing, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, shuffleboard, too. You That kind of the general... Yeah. Same general idea. When rescuing Rosie from the Mecha Shark, they get the call that the James Stewart was sunk with all hands lost. So with it, yeah, there was the two other people that could pilot the Mecha Shark. Yeah, but nobody actually told him that. <laughs> yeah, it's no. like, he called and we could hear what he was saying. He was like, the ship has been destroyed. He's like, well, shit. And hung up, and he's like, "The ship has been destroyed, and everybody is dead." Yeah, I guess no one told them. everybody's dead. It's like the ship. They, they had the time to tell you all and of everybody that. Everybody sank immediately. Oh, they had time to tell you all that? Uh, yeah, everyone's dead. No survivors. And so Nero tries to let them pilot the shark alone. All of you put me in the game, coach. I got this, but Jack refuses to let him because they haven't debugged him and. All that stuff. He's not combat ready and for a solo mission. And Admiral Engelberg. Yeah, but see, the thing is, Elizabeth Rosie, as you call her, is uh, you know she's been incapacitated in the shark, which she's not strapped into this chair. She's basically what happened is she's been knocked unconscious and slid down in her seat about three inches. And that's how she's been incapacitated. And she starts having like hallucination flashbacks yep. in her unconscious state here. And I, I I have to bring this up. And I anybody that, that watches this movie, I, I want to hear some feedback. There's a line as she's seeing these, these flashbacks of her daughter where the doctor tells her, or a priest or something, I don't know, you don't see the guy. He says, it's always difficult to lose someone so young. And I swear to God, I looked, I couldn't find it, but I swear to God, the person that says that line is Cecil Baldwin for Welcome to Night Vale. I, if you go back and listen to it, I swear it's him. I love to That'd be kind of awesome, actually, if it was him. He's not on IMDb, and it's not in the credits, and I couldn't find a reference to it anywhere. But if you go back and listen to it, I, it sounds exactly like him. I'll have to go back and check that out. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, she's having a, like a brief flashback dream sequence 
of like yeah, her daughter playing and getting sick and dying, and then her becoming an alcoholic. And it's so weird because this is kind is of is that why everything's spinning? <laughs> yeah, I guess because she's drunk. Yeah. So it's so weird how like movies tend to do like expository dream sequences because like I've never had in real life a dream that explains my whole backstory. <laughs> well, one thing that I I feel like what happened was like we need her to be an alcoholic, we need him to be a smoker. Halfway through, someone's like, "Why the f- are they doing this?" Um, yeah, this. none of this shit has anything to do with anything. It's, it's really I don't think there's another reference to their daughter in this thing, is there? There is not. No, um, I think it's supposed to make it more dramatic when she's chasing after the little girl at the end of the movie. I think that was kind of I think point. they cut something out. To, yeah. You know, for budgetary or script sucks purposes. I think, yeah, the writer was, like, telling himself that the smoking and drinking was character development and that the dream sequence was motivation. And it's like, yeah, you tell yourself that. It it was like building a lie off of another lie. I think it's... I think it's fairly fucked up that we're watching Megashark versus Megashark and we're digging into it for subtext. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I was kind of, like, thinking of that... Uh, you know, as I was nearing the end of the movie, uh, there was, I wrote one line. I don't even remember what I wrote, but it was something about like the the sh- mega shark fighting the mecha shark, and I just kind of said like, I can't believe that like I'm a grown man doing an analysis <laughs> talking about a gigantic shark battling a gigantic robo shark and doing it 100% seriously. What's well, the future clashing with the past? It's <laughs> it's the struggle of mankind as it, its most basic level. It speaks to you. It it, just, it tugs on your heartstrings. It teaches so, you. It opens your mind. That's so philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> this is where Debbie Gibson actually shows up. Yeah. So Rosie wakes up and Jack tells her that Engelberg made the call. Nero's piloting the shark now. So as Nero is attempting his solo run, he gets in a, a tussle with the Megalodon, sustains some damage, and then goes offline like immediately because he's apparently they haven't worked out all the bugs. Yeah, which they keep saying also. But they don't bother fixing it. <laughs> There's no time. So okay. Yeah, but... and I decided at this point in the movie that this is actually taking place in an alternate universe from Sharknado because otherwise they would have just called Finn Shepard and <laughs> Ian Ziering would have handled all this with a chainsaw. Tara Reed could have gone in the thing with a laser chainsaw hand and just fucked <laughs> everything up. And, you know, again, that's another half of the movie saved. Yeah, Honestly, I wasn't expecting... Going into the movie, I, I knew absolutely nothing about the movie. So I was expecting, like, a, just a robotic shark, not someone piloting it. I expected, like, laser eyes. Well, that's what the case is right now. No one's piloting it. Nero's. Well, you look at the eye, and it's got, like, an eye. And then it's got three little other things around it. So you think at some point that would shoot or at yeah. least give you, like... I, I guess they're all cameras. I don't know, but it's like there's no weapons on this thing except electric skin and torpedoes, which like it's basically based... you could have taken a submarine yeah. and hooked it up with electric skin and saved our taxpayers billions of dollars. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny how 
not only are we analyzing it so seriously, but how like you, you it definitely has its campy moments, but for the most part, the movie Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark takes itself a lot more seriously than you would expect a movie with that name to take yeah. itself. Yeah, there's it. This is not Sharknado at all. Like very few jokes, no celebrity cameos. Basically, me and, and Brody and Jesse could sit in a room, get high as anybody has ever been in their lives, and just throw darts at index cards on a wall and write a better movie than this guy did. <laughs> that sounds like an Oscar movie. Like we could. Oh my god, Oscar winner. Yeah. We need to start a think tank. <laughs> we do. A shark tank. I have index cards. If you guys have weed and darts, it's on. <laughs> so yeah, here's where we get Emma. What's her name? Emma McNeil from the first movie. She gets a call, or the Engelberg gets a call from her, and she says he she has something he needs to see. And so as Rosie's pouring her vodka down the drain, Jack tells her that she's got to go visit Emma McNeil. So suit up. And so this is kind of a case of good-ish writing, uh, just thinking about it. Just because this is the third movie in the franchise, and she's a character from the first movie, but you don't need to even know that fact for you to understand her and her purpose in this movie. So that's, you know, that's something at least. Not necessarily good, but you know, it's <laughs> at least... This movie stands on its own independently of the fact that it's the third movie in the series. So, good for them. But why didn't they bring... I don't know. They're out here in the middle of nowhere, and apparently Dr. Debbie Gibson is called up and is like, I want to see this chick that keeps blowing up the fucking U.S. Navy. (laughs) And uh, he's like, they're sending a helicopter. It's like, why didn't she get on a helicopter come out here to us where all this stuff is going down? Yeah. Let's handle it. Let's go to New Zealand, so... Dr. Debbie can meet American public enemy number one. (laughs) So, yeah, she lets Rosie know that she's discovered the Megalodon is moving on a warm current and is expected to end up just by Sydney, Australia, which is a Megalodon mating ground and where he was likely born. As the closest he'll be to land, and if he doesn't find something to mate with, he won't be a happy shark. So I'm just going to go ahead and point it out now that every scene they got Debbie Gibson for in this movie is just a slightly rewritten scene of her first scene in which she tells Engelberg, this shark <laughs> needs to mate with another shark or he's not going to be very happy. So everyone yeah, they already keep bringing enough. this up over and over and over. And I'm like, he is going to find another shark. There's, you know, another shark is going to show up and it's going to be Mega Shark versus two of these big ass Megalodons. And I'm just, like, waiting for the payoff through the whole fucking movie. And there is no female shark. Because literally every time this character speaks, she says a variation of this line. She'll call them to say it. They visit her and she says it. I think later she visits them and she says it. But it's always that It's always like, oh, yeah, it's going to find something else to mate. you got to find it something else to mate. Or it's not going to be very happy. And then they just don't. <laughs> I'd be so fucking frustrated to be her. How many fucking times are three movies worth of lines? I don't even know she's in the second one. I think oh. she's just in the first and third. But still, she says it. She repeats herself quite a few times. I even think in it, the third like, they probably just shot all her scenes in an afternoon, and they just like they gave her one script and like do a variation of this. Uh, we'll do a few takes, and you're good to go. It's her audition tapes. 
and then they just used every take. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I have a much better idea of how they could have went around this so Sydney didn't have to get all fucked up. Get a bunch of Olympic Olympic swimmers to piss while swimming up to the Antarctic. What? Because the warm water is a current. And then that's not a good idea. That's a great idea. I can't then, even understand that enough to insult it. Because <laughs> <laughs> then the shark would follow it, and then it would um, freeze again. That's not solving the problem. <laughs> it's delaying the problem. There's no sex in this movie with the sharks, <laughs> and now you're trying to in- introduce golden showers. It makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> what works? <laughs> so yeah, Sandy Cook is meanwhile interviewing a general about evacuation procedures on the news, and I really I don't understand her purpose. She just She's there as our Australian news reporter, and we get to see her interviewing people, but not anyone with anything important to say. So as Jack is trying to fix Nero, Nero suddenly comes back online. He's like, oh, I, you know, I went offline, something happened. And they decide they don't have enough time to fix the bug. Because they got a call from Rosie who explains it's heading for Sydney Harbor and they redirect to the coordinates. And Engelberg comments, It's mating season, Jack. Which really feels like something's... I mean, they bring it up a lot. <laughs> that line didn't even have a purpose. He just said, it's mating season, Jack. I think he kind of acknowledged that because he's like, What? <laughs> That or he has no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> but they keep, yeah, they keep hinting at this. And I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about this inevitable shark on robot sex. <laughs> but I guess, you know, I'll, we'll find out. And no. See, I was expecting the shark to get a little bit more wild. Because they kept also hinting that if the shark doesn't find anybody, it's going to go fucking batch. Which that w- never really happened. It would have been cool as if, like, throughout the movie, as the shark is looking for a mate, he tries some different things out. Like, you see him hump a whale, and then he tries to <laughs> fuck a giant squid, and, you know, then he's just jerking off into another school of fish. But, you know. There's so many jokes you can make with, like, humping a whale. Because there's, like, <laughs> yes. humpback whales, and there's sperm whales. Yeah, Rosie arrives in Sydney, Australia. Captain prepares a car for her. And he then starts evacuating everyone inland. Here it comes, folks. So the Megalodon jumps out of the water, <laughs> lands on a ship, and sinks it in what is some of the most spectacularly awful CGI I've probably ever seen in a professional movie. It's just shark leaps out of the water, lands on a ship, ship is gone and replaced with explosion animation. It's gorgeous. And then they send Nero after the shark. So there's a part after the shark destroys that ship. The Megalodon or the Mega Shark, whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, swims. And is that floating bodies he's eating or is that just parts of the ship? To me, I thought it was parts of the ship. I wasn't too sure. But now that I think about it, I don't know why he'd be eating parts of the ship. But it it happened just so fast. And it wasn't important. So in Sydney, a woman approaches Rosie to help find her daughter. Which is possibly where the previous daughter thing comes into play. Rosie goes back into the evacuated area to look for her when the shark fighting the mecha shark starts getting too close for comfort and the little girl, Stacy, 
runs away, but kind of jogs away. <laughs> One thing yeah, I, I think the CIA needs to to use little kids instead of grown ups, because apparently this kid manages to get through a military cordon, and you know she's hiding from Rosie and she's ducking around corners, and it's 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 very ninja like. Yeah, she's straight up. She's a spy. Like she's she's working for the Russians in this. Well, she's like avoiding the CIA at all possible, so I'm feeling she's behind the mega shark. <laughs> One thing that bugged me though, when the woman asked Rose to help find her daughter, was that she said she'll help, and then they both walked up, and then instead of the other woman saying, Rose just like told the army dude, "Why did they both need to be there? This wasted so much time." There's a lot of arguing with army dudes in this movie. <laughs> Coming up here. <laughs> so meanwhile, Nero is malfunctioning and goes offline mid-fight. Good for him. He's killing it, doing better than Rose ever did. R- Rosie gets in a fight with Australian Navy and says, I don't have time for this, and goes off looking for Stacy again. While Stacy's like, ducking behind a corner. Like, <laughs> oh, hoping no one sees her. Stuff the information into her shoe. So Engelberg is talking with Emma again, who explains, again, that they have a horny, aggressive shark on their hands, and that if it doesn't find a mate soon, it's going to get aggressive. Good to know. Jack still can't fix the mecha shark, and then it goes into drone mode, which is basically a mode with no safety protocol. See, I thought it was taken over by a drone. I thought some. I thought something was like flying by, and some kid had a remote control, and then like <laughs> stuff got crossed, and Amazon then all of a sudden, Air. instead of driving the drone, he's driving the mecha shark and stuff. <laughs> that would be so. Cool. That would have been a better movie. <laughs> yeah. So the megalodon, megadalon. I wrote megadalon. The megalodon <laughs> tackles the mecha shark into the Sydney Opera House. Kind this of. is where it gets badass. <laughs> yeah. So Jack works a second tiny little mecha shark submarine and takes it to shore. He also argues with some Australian military folk about evacuating and doesn't listen. And he literally says, I don't have ID because I left my wallet at home this morning. <laughs> yeah. That's a bad It's like, bro, day. did you not see me on fucking Stargate? Get out of my way. <laughs> Where's the gold well, thing did, on your head, man? He did mention, he's like, did you not just see me ride up in a fucking like, mecha shark? <laughs> yeah, shark. So, Which, honestly, seeing that wouldn't t- totally prove that yeah, he Yeah, like, that doesn't prove you're U.S. Well, I guess it kind of does, because you're either like U.S. Navy or a comic book supervillain. No other I don't Navy. let him go and stolen his shark. <laughs> no other Navy would have like a shark robot. I would just maybe think, Japan. Man, that's I would just said, man, that's fucking cool. Can you take me for a ride? I don't think he's a Navy. I, I think I'm not even sure the dude had a gun either. It's just this little white guy standing up in this giant <laughs> dude's face, and he's just like, "Where are you going? Where <laughs> you think you're going, man?" And then after arguing with him, he's like, I'm going to go. He like basically tells him how it is. Yeah. Leaves. Comes back. Does he say thank you or sorry? He says thanks. Yeah. Like, oh, thanks. That, that's their attempt at writing a joke. Yeah. So Jack and Rose reunite at the Sydney Opera House where the mecha shark lies. Engelberg hits the kill switch, which doesn't do anything. And it doesn't do anything because the kill switch is not attached to anything. <laughs> it's just a he just has—he brings up a <laughs> like a suitcase, opens it. It's a kill switch. 
Why didn't that work? Honestly, the president. It it looked like a first aid case, and I thought he was gonna open it up and pull out like a bottle of scotch or something. Cause that'd be kind of funny having the only thing in the first aid case is booze. Why did I think it's funny that it's 2016 now, and the technology for controlling these things has not evolved past the 80s. Like in the 80s, you know, when when you were controlling nukes or when the president, you know, had the button to to launch into Russia, everything was in one of those aluminum briefcases. And they have maintained that for like 30 years now. It's like, don't you have an app on your iPhone for that? Yeah. But that's not as amusing, though. Imagine opening up that briefcase and seeing this big red button. Yeah. it's Who doesn't want to push a big red button? I've almost expected, like, this movie to be, like... Because, you know, they have, like, those little, like, $3 microphones that, like... I expected, like, he presses and it's like, that was easy. And sh- <laughs> this is when it gets cool. It's a kill switch. It doesn't do anything. And then, in drone mode, as the little girl Stacy watch, Mecha Shark grows tank treads... Yes. ...and writes itself and starts targeting her and others... Because all safety protocols are off and Nero ain't home anymore. <laughs> so. Yeah, somehow it, it doesn't just grow tank treads. It's like it launches itself into the air and like, I don't know, eight or ten pairs of these tank treads just like fold out of it and it lands. It's <laughs> it's like the, the most important piece of the movie. If if you only see one part of it, you gotta see this transformation. <laughs> Growing the into the the shark tank. <laughs> the land shark. Land shark. <laughs> Swims through water as if it were land. <laughs> so and why the f did he use those treads when he was down under the all the rocks? Why didn't you pop the treads and just drive out of that shit? <laughs> yeah. Because that would have been smart. <laughs> so Jack tackles Stacy out of the way as the Mecha Shark is in slow mo gonna chomp down on her. Rosie drives up in a definitely stolen military vehicle and they drive into the city as the Mecha Shark tank terrorizes the streets, destroying buildings and uh, killing, among others, Sandy Cook and her cameraman. Rest oh, okay. One of those scenes is one of. Uh, somewhere in this, um, where it's just killing people and destroying buildings, has one of my favorite scenes. There's this fat guy. This coughing up blood. He well, first he looks up and the shark hits the building. Building crumbles a little bit. Then the next shot is him on the ground coughing up blood. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I don't know how he's dying, but he died. They couldn't like. CGI in like a piece of building falling falling on him, that takes up that takes up money in the budget. They don't got that. Maybe it's just watching the dailies. <laughs> I thought it was just a reaction video. <laughs> I don't know, but the Hummer she is driving around in that she stole from the military is all chromed out. It's got glossy black paint on it. Yeah. It's not a military vehicle at all. It's like somebody's got a Hummer on the lot, and they're like, we need to borrow that. Yeah. Like, this is what the Australian military would use, right? <laughs> so, the captain patches through an urgent call to Rosie from Emma, because he knows where she is somehow. He's like, I assume you stole one of these. And so Emma reiterates 
just so you know, the Mega Shark needs a mate because it's going to get aggressive. So she suggests luring it back to the water and getting the Mega to take out the now rampant Mecha. And they reunite the useless daughter with the useless mom. Yay! <laughs> plot two solved. Back to plot one. No, but the, as the she's driving in this Hummer, and the guy has picked up this this little girl and thrown her over his shoulder. She's he's running down the street. Everybody's screaming. All this shit's getting torn up. And Rosie drives up in this Hummer behind him and honks the horn. He stops and turns around to see who's honking the horn. Get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Rosie decides that she's going to get into the Mecha Shark and turn on the high-frequency transmitter to attract the Mega Shark to a location where the torpedo is trapped and hopefully explode the... (laughs) Jack just needs to lure it back to the water. So Rosie (laughs) jumps into the shark's mouth as an explosion sends Jack flying back. Where they have a convenient hole. So basically this chick can just run up and into this thing and yet it goes in the water and doesn't fill with water. Exactly. I was thinking that as soon as it happened, I rewound, backtracked into the sea. I watched it again. How, like, where did she go? Like, you don't see her enter a door or anything. And she definitely didn't get skewered on the teeth. So it's like, did they have like some water sealed, like pressure sealed door there that she like got into? Because <laughs> this thing is a submarine. It goes underwater. <laughs> and that's a really bad place for a door. In the mouth. Yes. <laughs> it's just this rows of razor sharp teeth that have like, what they say, 40 something pounds of pressure or whatever, crushing 40,000. I don't know. There's no reason anyone should ever need to go into the mouth. Or out the mouth. <laughs> like, is that like the observatory deck when you're bored underwater? <laughs> go out, stand on the deck in the mouth and look out at the ocean floor. Meanwhile, Engelberg is dropping charges onto the mega shark to try and, in his words, burn the son of a bitch out of the water. It's not doing much. They're just kind of pissing off a shark and keeping it busy. Jack steals a motorcycle and in an attempt to catch the mecha shark's attention, quite literally jumps the shark in a not-so-subtle metaphor. He, like, leaps, like, well over... Yeah, this is a dirt bike now. He's he's riding a dirt bike with a number on the front. He leaps well over, like, 50 feet in the air. See, that's that's the scene that... Oh, that pissed me off. He hits, like... I can't even... I think he's just off a car. Like He just ramps off a car. But you don't go that high. No, he got some air. Good for him. <laughs> he could have landed on another f***ing building. It's almost like a, like, a, like a glitch in like a Tony Hawk game or something. When you hit a ramp and accidentally go... Evil Knievel could not have pulled this shit off. <laughs> so... Engelberg decides to go down onto the deck itself and watch what's happening and shoot at the Mega Shark himself with a pistol for some reason. Yeah, because, you know, torpedoes didn't work. So I'm going to shoot with, uh, what is that, like a 380 or something? A 9mm? Die, <laughs> ah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so the Mega Shark takes out the USS Charles Davis and kills everyone on board. Engelberg and crew. Moment of silence. Okay. Meanwhile, 
Meanwhile, Rosie and Jack are completing their mission. Poor Rosie is knocked into the chum tank by a missile from a fighter jet. Which, I don't know how she got knocked into the chum tank and then couldn't get out. Yeah, but she's not in, she's not in, like, a, a vat full of blood and fish guts. She's in water with red food coloring in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with some, like, nice, like, blood makeup on. But, the, yeah, it just looks like water. It's not very, uh... Not very chunky. <laughs> Maybe that's like the like, like you know, fish packed in its own juices or whatever. They just got like a bunch of cans of like tuna and stuff, and that's the water. Ew. Oh it's god, tuna that juice. Oh, that'd be the. Yeah, she's like, she's up to like, she's up to her belly button in like just like fish sludge, and then the rest is water that's up to her neck. I'd hate that. <laughs> There's no amount of money that would make me do that. <laughs> That's a lie. There probably is. <laughs> That's so <laughs> Probably less than I'm imagining, yeah, too. <laughs> so, some fighter jets get fu- ready to fire again as Jack tries to lure the shark into the water and stop the jets from firing. Yeah, which uh, consists which... of him sitting on his dirt bike yelling at fighter jets, at some jets flying overhead. <laughs> stop. Don't do it. <laughs> And they blast the mecha shark into the water, which is pretty badass. And that catches the attention of mega shark. So Jack decides to board his second smaller mecha shark and to go after the first one. Now he's going to pick up his girlfriend. Jack... Yeah. He's got to get her out of the chum tank. <laughs> so Jack boards the bigger shark with the smaller shark, which is the closest thing we get to shark sex in this movie. And tries to boot up Nero so they can kick out the drone mode overlay. And <laughs> gets <laughs> it works. <laughs> it works and he gets Nero to empty out the chum storage. So I guess they just dumped her. <laughs> yeah, so he spews her out into the water and Home Slice takes Nero out on a USB drive. Yeah. I think it'd be funny if like the chum storage was just a bunch of fish. And then, like, in order to spew it out, there's, like, a little meat grinder thing. That would be cool. That would have made it more suspenseful for the whole getting her out. <laughs> Meanwhile, Engelberg is still alive, just floating there. He's all, like, beat up, and he didn't get me yet, and then the Mega Shark <laughs> kills him. So useless. I don't know if he's, like, what, the, if we're supposed to root for Engelberg? Like, if he's supposed to be a protagonist? Honestly, I did not give a shit about him. You know, he seemed, and he seemed almost mildly antagonistic, too, for what I assume is supposed to be a protagonist. Thing is, I didn't even... There is literally nobody in this movie that you give a shit about. No. The only, no, the no, only reason that. we care about these characters at all is because we recognize them from other things that they've done. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I... there is not, there is, there is not one the second of good acting in this movie, I don't think. I, I felt... I love the shark thing, right? <laughs> I, I was pretty attached to the uh, news girl. I didn't even notice her being in the movie all that much once I noticed her microphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it takes. <laughs> Just blocked her right out. Rosie makes it to surface, but her foot is snagged on something, I guess. Jack arrives with his shark sub and freezer. And as they run to shore, the megalodon is in slow-mo going after the transmitter on the torpedo well and 
explodes. The day is saved. Viscera rains down on them on the beach as they kiss. Yeah, now <laughs> I gave this a star because we got to see Elizabeth Rome wet and running on the beach. And her boobs are bouncing and everything. And then they fall down on the Covered ground. In- and I had to take half of that star away because they're instantly dry. Like her hair's dry, her clothes dry, <laughs> everything. It's like she, they were it's, never they in the water. still got a little bit of like... But they still got a little bit of like shark guts on them, so at least that's a yeah. This this it's sixty dry, foot it's... shark explodes, and there is, I don't know, literally like a five gallon bucket halfway full of shit that falls on them. Yeah, and it's like oh, like Christopher Judge, you got a you got a little something on the back of your head there. Let me get that. Like you could have had a you could have had a guy just laying sunbathing on the beach, and this massive shark chunk just comes and smashes into that but the dude didn't even think of that no like i would totally like you don't even gotta pay me i'd be that guy on the beach that just gets like two whole buckets of just shark guts dumped on him just for that one second scene yeah there was like no it wasn't even any blood it was like some some meat and I don't know, yeah, like a, a human small intestine. I mean, it, there was like nothing. Yeah. And that was like... For a shark that just exploded, yeah, it was pretty underwhelming. It was like three pounds of beef that hit the... It's like the <laughs> ice bucket challenge, but with meat. Yeah. <laughs> they just poured like a, yeah, a little tiny bucket uh, of shark meat on gross. them. Would you do it for ALS? No. <laughs> no, I would not. The shark bucket I, challenge. No. So, Jack... Bids a farewell to our fallen hero Nero and thanks him for his service. But all is not lost. He reveals that he downloaded Nero onto a flash drive because that's the most important thing to do when facing sudden death. Yeah, your wife is in a a, a tank <laughs> supposedly full of, of rancid fish guts. She's being pooped out of a mecha shark into the ocean. And you're going to stop and download your, your digital buddy onto a USB drive before you go get her. And it's funny, it's, like, it's an AI, and it's a pretty advanced one. So it's probably going to take a while, too. Like like 36 minutes remaining, he's just like waiting, like looking at the screen, getting all well, antsy. Well, it took him a day <laughs> just to put it on. Yeah, exactly. And now he can get it on a flash drive. But they can worry about all that later, because they got some explaining to do. And the helicopter lands that may or may not imply the president. I don't know. That's what I got out of it. And they walk off into the distance. The end. No, it's not. It's actually <laughs> not. The really? the end of the movie comes after the credits. Did you not see the stinger? I, I figured there would be one, but I didn't care enough to watch it. Strangely <laughs> enough, the stinger in this movie does not set up the next movie. The stinger in this movie is Jack lighting a cigar, and we hear Rosie off-screen yelling at him, and he takes the cigar out of his mouth, and that's the stinger. I, <laughs> and she walks up swigging the I bottle. Fast-forwarded you never even see her! <laughs> I think I fast-forwarded it way too fast, because I completely missed that. Yeah, that was I the very last thing. I downloaded it, this, so, you know, I don't know if it came off a DVD or what, because it didn't have a sci-fi logo on it. Maybe that's why I saw it. But one thing that we didn't mention throughout this movie, Jack keeps trying to tell people 
throughout the movie, you know, my daddy said, but every time he says that, he is interrupted. He gets cut off. So I, I yeah. actually thought that was kind of cute. I never caught that. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed It that. happens yeah, like yeah, three or four twice. times. Yeah, he keeps getting cut off every time he tries to tell. Well, wonder what he said. So, yeah, the fun thing about this movie in particular is for the first time in Blind by History, uh, we will be including a Blu-ray in the mix. And so some lucky person gets this movie on Blu-ray, as well as the movie and possibly digital copy of Luke and Lucy, the Texas Rangers, and our DVD of A Fairy Fairy Christmas. How much did you spend on this? This one was $3. $3. Where do you buy these movies? (laughs) Hell. (laughs) I think this is the most expensive movie we've done. $3. Wow. Wow. I'm starting to feel that Asylum is a front for something because there's no way they're making enough money to actually make these movies and as often as they do. Our review segment where we talk about what we liked and what we didn't like and all that fun stuff. So, first is who the MVP of the movie was, whether that be actor, character, director, you know, sound guy, whoever you thought deserves special kudos for their performance in the making of this movie. So we'll start with you, One Sick Puppy. I got nothing. Yeah, nothing? No one deserves any recognition? Whoever whoever thought that there should be tank treads on the Mecha Shark, that guy. <laughs> I doubt it was the original writer, probably one of the producers, but yeah. Whoever's idea that was, good for them. They made the movie. All right, Brody. Um, I want to... Uh, this, this, I hate this. Uh... I want to give it to the guy that we think is the guy from Night Vale, but not too sure. Oh, yeah, Cecil Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to him. The just off-camera voice. Yeah. He did a good job. Say, um, you know, good for that Australian reporter that died. <laughs> She's kind of cute, I guess. I don't know she if that's really. real. She probably sucked a lot of just to get that role. And, like, I never have... Has a useless character felt so useless. <laughs> yeah. Like, it wasn't like you look back and you're like, huh, what was that point? Every time she's on the screen, it's like, what is her purpose? So, yeah. Good. Which do you think was more miserable? Sucking to get this movie? Or the jobs that she gave to get this movie? <laughs> Because you're you're going for Mega Shark versus Mega Mecha Shark, you're not going to put a whole lot of effort into it. I mean, really. That's true. And then and then when it's all over and you're in the movie and you're sitting there on the set, you're thinking to yourself, "Did I really suck all those to get here?" Maybe that's why she got such a low role is because she didn't put all her effort into it. 
Yeah, she could have Maybe that's why her microphone didn't have power. It's because she kept <laughs> stuffing stuff in her mouth, and they were afraid she was going to electrocute herself if she was giving head to the microphone. <laughs> and that's why play. they didn't set her up for a sequel. <laughs> okay, and so next is, uh, if you have one, what would you say your favorite quote is from the movie? My favorite quote from the movie is the Bukowski, where he says, uh, yeah, I pass upon serious inward breaking shoals rimmed with white-legged, white-billed, rotting creatures. It's pretty metal. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a short poem, but it's really cool. I absolutely worship Charles Bukowski. He was a drunken, you know, fornicating, sometimes woman-beating ugly rancid old man just he was a piece of shit but he could write man so he's genghis khan <laughs> except he can write <laughs> your brain goes to strange places man <laughs> <laughs> like olympic urination and genghis khan from charles Bukowski. <laughs> i don't I know. go places it's... i guess you can provide the weed can't you <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, it's not like that. But, yeah. So, Brody, what was your favorite quote? Um, I know you could. You could pilot a Rubik's Cube. You took mine, too. That was my favorite quote. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good one. As soon as they said that, I'm like, what the f*** was that? What kind of writing is that? That's just bad. This is, it, it, was, it's so, it sticks out like a sore thumb. It's so bad. Just you could pilot a Rubik's Cube. See, I see where they're going at, where it's like you can pilot, like, literally anything. Yeah. But first, it just doesn't work. It's just awful. Because like, I, I can't even... I'm trying to imagine that. <laughs> There's so much wrong with it. <laughs> okay, and then thirdly, who would you recommend this movie to? Wow. <laughs> We got to get some people entering our contest, so we got to give them hope that this movie's for someone. <laughs> you know, I'd recommend this movie to Chantel. <laughs> she might, yeah, I can, yeah. yeah, I can see it. Don't tell her anything and let her watch it. Now, actually, my wife really enjoys these massive uh, animal, you know, dinosaur, shark, squid. She she likes Lake Placid and stuff like that. So, as uh, as Jay of the Dead calls it over on Horror Movie Podcast, uh, if you like beastly freak movies, you know you might get a kick out of this. But you know, I recommend a couple of beers while you're watching it. This is this is it's it's safe for the kids. I mean, there's there's like no gore, no no blood, nobody gets shot, nobody gets chewed on. There's there's like for for these two massive sharks, there's there's no violence that would be questionable for a child at all. Yeah, it's pretty safe, and there's like no swearing either. Yeah, so like I don't know, five year old boys would love this movie. <laughs> yeah, Brody, I agree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what he said. What he? No, I I actually thought about it too. Where I'm. I thought, like, yeah, I I can see little kids. Like, like I can see my little brother watching this and loving it. And, like, uh, yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. Um, <laughs> I'd say fans of the... Fans of Asylum, of course, because they do have their own twisted fans. Uh, camp, it's, it's campy, campy fun. So if you just want to turn off your brain and watch a dumb movie, 
um, maybe get a little drunk before you do so. Uh, you know, if you like Sharknado, you're probably gonna like this. They're not very, you know, this isn't as over the top as Sharknado, but it's definitely, you can tell it's by the same folks. It's not a surprise when you find that out, so. Yeah, fans of that whole, that whole business here. And you can own it on Blu-ray. And last but not least, uh, would you give this movie, we don't, now we don't have like a rating system, it's not like a 50.48 out of 100 uh, it's straight up, thumbs up or thumbs down. You either liked it or you didn't. You recommend it or you don't. It's kind of complicated. <laughs> yeah, don't. Uh, thumbs up or a yes means you liked it, while thumbs down or a no means you did not. So, one sick puppy, would you say uh, this movie is a, a, a go or a no? I'd say it's a no, but it's not a violent no. It's, you know, this movie is more bland than it is bad. That's yeah, that's fair. And Brody. Uh hold on. God damn it. I gotta think God about damn it. it. It's, Every it's a, time. It's a it's com- yes or no question. This is your fucking podcast. Did you not know this question was coming? I know every time, but it's an internal struggle. Uh so Yay. Yay? Okay. What, yeah. what makes you say Yeah, that was convincing. I'm sure everybody is going to give great weight to your opinion. It's like... It's Jesus a, Christ. It is a yay. Go see this movie. No. Uh, the reason I say the yay is because it did... Like, uh, it did entertain me. I was watching it. I did not feel bored. But I could have done with more violent... Like, more... Like, you don't need blood, but for this kind of movie, I feel like there should have been more violence. Or like, more... there wasn't even fish violence in this. <laughs> it, no, was, it was no pretty... No shark sex. Like, it was pretty ridiculous about how held back they were. Which is why I, I, I hesitantly said yay, but it did do its job, I guess, so I'll give it to him. Now, this one, it is actually kind of difficult because it's very much on the edge. Like you said, if it was a no, it's not a violent no. And in this case, I think I'm going to say yes, but not like a resounding yes. <laughs> Just because, like, <laughs> it's a, it, it, I guess it served its purpose. There were parts where I find myself kind of spacing out and not paying attention, uh, as, I, as evident uh, through my review here. Uh, but, you know, overall, it more or less accomplished what it set out to do. It wasn't as campy as it could have been, but for a threequel, you know, it, it's, I guess like I've seen worse when it comes to the third movie in a trilogy. So I'd say, you know, on that ground and the fact that it's an asylum movie, uh, it, it could have been a lot worse. So I'll say, yeah, but, but it's close. It's a close one. I'll put it like this. If if Sharknado 3 is a 10, this is a 2. <laughs> I don't, is Sharknado 3 out? I, I think so. Yeah. I, I only saw the first one, and I'm ashamed of myself for that. And apparently you don't listen to my podcast. Thanks a lot, buddy. Well, I've, I've heard some episodes. haven't heard the Sharknado episode. Your sister-in-law and I reviewed Sharknado 3 on my podcast. You oh. are the weakest link. Yeah, I didn't even listen to her episode. <laughs> Man, I, I but I'm I 
tell her right now to do it. Do it. And I did when she started on your show. I listened to you a lot, and then I kind of fell out of the groove. But to be fair, oh. I know you listened to all of Blind by season one, so I think we're equal. I did too. I got coked up one night and listened to them all and fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> So that concludes uh, our our session here of uh, submitting ourselves to sh- sh- well I don't know, what the f- what was this Sharknado versus Sharknado <laughs> that would be a cool movie. Sharknado versus Mecha Sharknado. <laughs> well, see if uh, if a Sharknado is as cool as I'm thinking, I would watch Sharknado versus Sharknado. What about Sharknado versus Sharkquake? Shark quake, <laughs> sharkicane. <laughs> That's kind of like a sharknado. It's more or wet, like a I think. a sharknami. So this is a tidal wave <laughs> with sharks. Yes, this is reasonable. <laughs> In the past thirty seconds, literally, like the the entire rest of Asylum's catalog has been written for them, <laughs> You're and welcome. we are going to make no money off of it. I was I was actually going to ask, would you guys work on an Asylum movie had you given the chance? You're right, I would absolutely, I'd, and it'd be better than anything they've released so far. I think I would act in one. I don't think I would attach like a writing or directing credit to one. Not like my own name. <laughs> so you'd Billy Ray Cyrus and just ignore the fact that you yeah, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't go on my IMDb page. I'd do it, and I'd be proud of it. And I might exclusively only do Asylum. I feel like they pay a lot. I feel like they probably don't. They, they seem... I tell you what, though, if I'm working for Asylum, there's going to be some shark. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the title of the damn movie. You, you can Absolutely. be a writer. <laughs> shark versus Mecha Shark. <laughs> Mecha the scissor sh- edition. So that was episode two of season two of Blind Buy a Bargain Bin Adventure. We hope you enjoyed it. Now, as I said before, the contest is open, so feel free to enter and get this movie on Blu-ray. You can visit our Twitter at Blind Buy or Facebook.com slash Blind Buy Podcast for more details. Now, if you entered into the contest last season, you will not be re-entered this season because they're all new movies. So make sure you put in your new entry so you have a shot at winning all of these ones. Feel free to follow Brody on Twitter at Bloody Brody, myself at Jesse Roloffs, One Sick Puppy at Dead as Hell HP, and you can also find him on Facebook.com/slash Dead as Hell HP. All music for this episode is royalty-free and provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. It is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.